City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Gehring. And we're still on Zoom. We are, but they don't know that. They just hear our voices. I know, but it's, it's worth letting them know. Right, but this week I won't be holding up a book to show them that they weren't going to see anyways, so we got that going on. <laughs> There's a learning curve, and we, we've, we finally met it. We understand what we're doing now, maybe. You know. So how are we doing, Alex? How are we? I, I'm I'm good. Uh, things are things are kind of. I feel like they're getting back to normal. May feels like spring, um, and yeah. I think you know we're we're gonna. It feels like we're gonna have like a delayed spring market. Yeah. Um, things are things are wild. I need more listings. That's for sure. That's that that that's the game right now. And I yeah. I have I, I have I've, I'll be honest. I have zero listings right now. Like, I'd be happy with one. I'd be really happy with 10, you know? Like, that would be, because they would just, I've got buyers out the wazoo and we can't find them anything. Yeah, I've got, I've got multiple people under 350. I just got the, I just got one of the groups under contract this weekend. It was the fifth offer that they've written. And these people are like really good buyers, you know? Right. And there wasn't like anything that I could say, yeah. anything that I could do uh to combat the cash offers thirty thousand dollars over list price that uh you know probably got negotiated down at inspections um and what's really interesting you know just being uh, having a very honest conversation um what would end up happening is about a week after we would make an offer on one we would get a call from the agent saying hey are you uh, guys still interested buyer seems to be getting cold feet uh inspections came back and uh, they're making a mountain out of a molehill. What do you guys think? And at that point, my people had moved on. Like they, they've emotionally gotten over the fact that they weren't going to get that house and, you know, uh, they moved on. So um, we've got some people that are, you know, they're trying to, trying to work the system, um, yep. which they always do. That's nothing new. It's yep. just spring's hard. It's great. And I love spring. And that, the, the spring market is exhilarating, but it's it is. hard. It, but it, it gets you into a good groove going into summer. And then you're so thankful when fall and winter get here because you're just like. Get into that groove. And then, yeah. yeah, that's right. And then you, you you know, maybe maybe at that point we could go on a vacation. What What's that vacation? Maybe at some point we could travel. Tra traveling. Tell me about this traveling thing because I've for totally forgotten what travel is. Um, tomorrow I was supposed close. to be in Palm Beach for a, a conference at the Breakers Hotel. which Same. You were going to be there. Yeah. We were going to be together. In Palm the Beach. This sucks. I know. They're trying to do it in the fall, though. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we're crossing our fingers for those of you that can't you see know. that. We are crossing fingers, though. It's fine. <laughs> All right. No, I, have I, to, I have to tell you what, uh, what I've, I've been doing with my time, uh, with, with any spare time that I had during coronavirus. Okay. What's that? Okay. I've been re-watching The Sopranos. This is my fourth Sopranos rewatch. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a big uh, mob story fan. Like mm -hmm. it's my, that's my go-to genre. And mm -hmm. I feel like The Sopranos is not only some of the best television ever created, um, but it's also one of the best mob stories ever created. And mm -hmm. uh, so, but for some reason, I never, finish the series feeling good about that last episode. And I know that that's not like a new controversy, um, right. but this time I watched it and I came away 
like feeling like I got it. Like I understood. Like it took me four times of watching like over 72 hours of, of, uh, of episodes to uh, mm-hmm. finally decide that I understood the last episode. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to say what I think or like where, where I'm going with this. I don't know even why I'm rambling about it, but I just finished it last night and it's still in me. Like right. I still feel it. Oh, it's good, good storytelling. We've watched it at least three times if we've not watched it. We are a big on, we don't really watch a lot of current TV. We, we do, we, yeah. we, right, right now we're re-watching all eight seasons of House, but, but typically between watching a season, we'll throw another short something in there for a couple of days, yeah. and then we'll come back and watch another season of it. But, you know, um, have you watched The Wire? I haven't yet, no. You should. I, that's, a, that's my probably my second favorite show is The Wire. We've probably watched that through two or three full times. Also, The Shield. We love The Shield. Um, Rescue Me. Oh, Rescue oh. Me was good. Yeah. All yeah. those FX shows were good. I was a big Nip Tuck guy, oh. too. Yeah. I'm yeah. really good at that. So, yeah. But it, it's kind of, you know, you said it before, and as we're getting off the TV thing, but we, I mean, we could talk TV for forever. We could do that. But it really feels like in the last week, things are feeling normal again, or as normal as they can for this. You know, the most normal it's been in eight weeks, essentially. True. Um, yeah. And, and, it's and I think nice. part of it, I don't feel like things are like back to where they were three months ago, but no. I feel, but I don't know, I don't know, I don't feel bad about where things are now. I, I mean, as far as the coronavirus stuff goes, I feel like we're, um, we're making some headway. And uh, yep. I think, I feel like our Kansas City community, uh, Real Tours has been really respectful of uh, moving towards reopening in a careful and a conscientious way. Um, and you had a lot of, to do with that. And you, I, I've, I've, maybe I said this in the last podcast, but, uh, and I give Michael Pierce a hard time too, but you know, you guys have had a hard, a hard year. Um, and it's only, it's only June. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a hard one. Um, and you guys handled it really, really well. So I appreciate your leadership on it all. But I think that comes a lot from our membership too. I mean, we've had some outliers that wanted us to, to not be essential and to do nothing. And then we had people that wanted us to be able to do everything. But for the most part, our membership has been really, really understanding. Um, and when you tell them that like, this is the rule or this is what's going on, they've been real respectful of that, which typically we're used to our members getting angry. They, they won't let me do this. They won't let me do that. But it seems like they, for the, Last week, there was in a closed Facebook group, someone was kept trying to set a showing on a property, and the seller kept not allowing any showings. And they said, how much longer can they keep it active on the market without allowing showings? And some people were like, you should report them. You should do this. And I came in, and I, and I double-checked to make sure it was still the rule that, you know, during this time, we had changed the rules temporarily, but that the seller has a right to, to not allow showings. And everybody, once I said that, they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. No worries. That's the deal. I wouldn't, you wouldn't normally get that response from a membership. Normally they'd be all like, wow, ah, you're taking away my rights. And, and I, it's been really nice. And I think that's helped go through this is that people are making an extra effort to not just get angry, to, that's right. to come from a place of understanding before they get angry. That's right. Yep. Which is good. Yep. 
one more reason why I'm proud to proud to be in Kansas City. I love Kansas. City. All right. Well, hey. Oh, do you have a book bit? I do. Should we try to do the theme song? Oh Lord. Do 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 do. Bobby's book bit. Casey. Ooh, nice. It was rare. Okay. So, in honor of our guest today, I chose a book about leadership. So, and we've not said who our guest is yet, so I'm still not going to say who our guest is. Well, they're going to see it on the title. Never mind. All this thing, we keep, we keep thinking we have surprises of who our guest is, and well, you've already read it on the title. So, our guest today is going to be Elizabeth Mendenhall, who was the 2018 National Association of Realtors president, and who hails from the great state of Missouri out of Columbia. So, I chose a leadership book um, with one of our authors we like to do books from. So, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. So that's my book for today. Um, it teaches where the need for leadership comes from historically, what the consequences of bad leadership are, which I think is appropriate, and how you can be a good leader. Um, today's world really is split into leaders and followers. And so this just shows you how you can be a great leader in these times. The quote that I really liked from the book was, it's not the genius at the top giving directions that makes people great. It is great people that make the guy at the top look like a genius. And I think that's so important that we remember it's not about us. It's our people that make us look good when we are a leader. So there was three takeaways. Safety means progress and leaders provide safety. Um, think about the last time you made progress on a fun project. There was nothing to gain but just the joy of doing it. Were you worried about paying your bills? No. You were focused on making progress because your basic needs were being met. A leader's job is to provide safety to their followers so they can focus on making progress towards a shared vision. The bigger the circle of safety, the faster the progress. So for example, at Google, they provide free food, ask any question meetings, and 20% of their time is allowed to do their own experiments. They have a lot of safety in their work environment, therefore Google employees put out a lot of input or a lot of output. Input, a lot of output. I know what you mean. Get Let's it. Just go with it, it's fine. The second point is responsibility means truly caring for your people so they don't get detached. The consequences of your action as a leader directly impact the lives of people. That's why empathy is the most important trait of a leader. If you can really put yourself in other people's shoes, you can truly care about them and it will be worthwhile for them to follow you. People know if you truly care about them or this is all just a big act and you're just putting something else on your resume. And the last point, which I think is so appropriate for where we are in our world right now, is that technology has turned us into performance addicts looking for the next dopamine hit. And especially during this stay at home time, that technology and getting that hit from social media. Um, our ancestors needed a runner's high to kick in so they could outrun a bear. But today that's not an issue. So your dopamine cells have decided to reward you for performance instead. Companies reward systems often work according to a mantra of more is better instead of focusing on lasting value. We will change our Facebook profile photo and just feel good for completing a task. It's easier than going out and volunteering. So 
that was my book bit. Um, Love it. That's a really good one. I, I have to get back to what you just said about empathy. I feel like that is the number one thing that we are missing in our uh, country right now, just in general. Um, yep. Just not, not seeking to feel um, with others and not yep. trying to understand um, what people are going through. And it's true on all sides. It doesn't, yep. it, they're, that, that's one thing that doesn't discriminate is a lack of empathy at the moment. We're just, we're out of it. Um, that's a, that's a sad thing. And I think it, leadership requires that. And I think that's a solid book bit. I need to reread that book. It's been a while. That's one that I read a few years ago. Yeah, it's a great book. And you know, you're so right on that. We need to seek first to understand. We don't have to understand. We don't have to, to agree with what the other side's saying, but to at least try to understand where they're coming from. And so many of us right now are somewhere in the middle. We see all of the sides and we just feel really trapped right now and feel bad for, I don't feel bad for everybody involved, but I feel bad for a lot of people involved because I've sought to understand their feelings because people like you and I, we do have empathy. People that live their lives in hate and anger, I just can't imagine how that weighs on you. And that's as much onto that soapbox as I'm going to (laughs) get. Yeah, we can, we can get off of it, but I, I really, that's a good book bit. All right. Thank you. So let's get our guest in the studio. Who's our guest? Uh, I already said who our guest was, but I'll say it again. It's the amazing and talented Elizabeth Mendenhall, 2018 NAR president, hailing from Columbia, Missouri. She's a broker for Remax, and I love her. One of my favorite people. She, I actually can tell you I'm sitting on this podcast today because of an influence Elizabeth had in my life about 12 years ago. So um, she highly and encouraged that. She was, she swore you in. She did. She has actually sworn me in as president two different times. She swore me in for Kansas City and for St. Joe in 2012. Um, but in 2018, she encouraged me and someone else to co-found, they were networks back there, or chapters back then, the Missouri chapter of YPN. We started Missouri YPN back in 2008, and that was through Elizabeth's encouragement. And had I not done that, I would not have become involved at the state, national, or local associations, and y'all wouldn't even know who I was. So I gave a lot of uh, praise and um, thankfulness to Elizabeth for being a great inspiration. So I'm excited to talk to her today. That's awesome. Oh, hey, we'll be right back. Are you a real estate agent spending hours on end making reports for your clients? Are you paying a bunch of money for advertising with no ROI? then it sounds like you need the Cloud Agent Suite. Whether it's CMAs, listing alerts, lead generation, or searching the MLS, the Cloud Agent Suite has everything you need to run a successful real estate business. Join over 500,000 agents nationwide who are writing more offers and winning more listings with Cloud Agent Suite. If you're a subscriber of Heartland MLS, you already receive access to CloudStreams and Cloud CMA as a benefit, but If you use promo code HEARTLAND, that's all spelled out, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, at cloudagentsuite.com today, you will get access to all the other programs in Cloud Agent Suite for free for 30 days. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. Bobby and I are here, sort of, via Zoom, with Elizabeth Mendenhall, 2018 NAR president. Elizabeth, it's so awesome to have you with us today. 
Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. Now, I've got a quick question. So um, you've sworn in Bobby two times. She was just telling us um, <laughs> once as uh, St. Joseph president in 2012. And uh, then again, uh, for KCRR, KCRAR president this last December. Um, so what I want to know and what the people want to know, I believe the people want to know this, which swearing in of Bobby Howe was your favorite? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I will tell you, um, I was very honored both times. I feel like that's one of the most personal things that somebody can ask someone to do. So I try to make them when I can. Um, so super honored. Which one was the most favorite? I don't know. They were so different. The one in St. Joe was kind of in a, it, it was a small, smaller room, smaller fanfare. But then afterwards, like the party was off the charts, insane, amazing. Whereas Kansas City, it was kind of, you know, more in front of the group. But I think, um, and Bobby, I don't know, you'd have to tell me, I don't think your son attended the first one. And it was pretty special seeing him at the second one. Yeah, my son was only three months old at the first one, so he was not okay. there at all. So, how was the MC at the at the <laughs> Saint Joe, at the Saint Joe one? Not, ne not nearly as amazing as the MC was at the Kansas City one. That is for oh, darn sure. Good answer. That's good, <laughs> Elizabeth. That whole thing was built up. So that he could get a compliment as MC. That was that was the whole thing of that entire question was a buildup of him being an amazing MC. Maybe just subconsciously, I that, that just that just occurred to me just now in the moment. So it, well, and you know, I mean, installations. Gosh, they're a dime a dozen. But the MC is the one who really makes the event. <laughs> in all seriousness, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> nice to be with you guys. So Elizabeth, there are so many things that we could talk to you about. Um, you know, that's why I, when I was emailing with you, I'm like, well, this is the topic we kind of want to talk about, but we could talk about, you know, you speak a lot on leadership, specifically unicorn leadership, and we can see your unicorn back behind you and all the amazing things you do. So before we really get into today's topic, um, I have a question for you. And my question is, of all the things you've done and accomplished in your short time here on Earth, because you are still an extremely young leader who's accomplished a lot of things, what's your favorite experience that you've had um, up to this point? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know that's like a, I, I don't, what is my favorite experience? Um, wow. I don't know. I mean, I, people have asked me, they're like, you know, like, what's the most amazing thing of leadership? Or, you know, what was it like serving for the Realtor Association or things like that? And I, Chris Polychrone, who you guys know, he was a national president from Hot Springs, Arkansas. So good friend of ours, because he's in our region. He told me and he said, you will be amazed of the um, respect that the position has mm -hmm. for serving as president of NAR. And I think to me, he like summed that up amazing. Because what what we all should be so proud of and what we all should realize is we have this history of what a, what a realtor is, what a realtor does, what our realtor associations do. And in fact, I remember in 2011 once they did a survey and you know, as far as like Red Cross 
um, contributing to the overall good of the communities, that's where the National Association of Realtors ranked. It was an organization that people knew was there to help protect them and as far as protect their home ownership and property purchases. So when I wish every member could kind of feel the respect for the position when you enter a room with Congress or, you know, your senators, your representatives, when you go to another country and it, I mean, it's not about me. They don't have a clue who I was, right? No idea. It's going to be someone else the next year, but the respect for the organization and is really, really humbling and amazing. And every single one of our members helps contribute to that. So that overall feeling of just being in awe is pretty, pretty cool. That's awesome. I love that answer. And I thought you were gonna say Michael Phelps. So, um, <laughs> well, but I love that. Yeah, but, that was so let's pretty get cool into, too. <laughs> that was right up there. Um, mm -hmm. So let's get into um, why we have you on today. Um, we just recently started re-recording podcasts. We've taken a long break because of quarantine and everything like that. So now that we're starting to see life get back to our new normal, which I hate that term, but it's what we're gonna use for right now. Um, and we get back out of COVID. It's affected so much of the world. How have you seen it affect uh, real estate and the real estate industry up to this point? Yeah, so, you know, I think your comment's right. It's affected everything. I mean, from everything that we do and I've, um, you know, just from what I've been trying to do, I think we've all been trying to approach things differently. We've been trying to lead differently. We've been trying to um, lead in the way that we've always wanted to lead. You know, I think that's, that's the other thing. It has spurred us on to be the best we can be knowing that we are, you know, challenged and um, we've seen people rise to the occasion. We've seen people be scared of the occasion. So I, in kind of thinking about coming on here today, there were three things that kind of I felt like and have been influenced and heard and that really resonated with me. And the first was just the general accessibility of everyone. And I think for us as an industry, we felt like um, it, we, we could confuse that with instructional because right off the bat, we had to figure out new forms. We had to figure out new processes. We had to figure out new technology. We had to figure out, you know, how we were going to talk to our clients. And so a lot of that felt instructional as far as what we were doing. But I think the better term is leaders became accessible and realtors became accessible. And we knew that in order to manage our business, manage our offices, manage our associations, we had to be more available than we ever were before. And it's not a new concept at all by any means, but I think if we, you know, if we get caught in the trap that we think, okay, we were providing, 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 then we're, we're focused on being instructional. But one of the best things about a leader is a leader becomes accessible and somebody knows that they can find them at any point in time. And I think that's also this amazing skill that our clients want and have always wanted from us, which is why we're so good at our jobs, is we have been accessible. And when we get busier, we're less accessible. When we um, lean into other tools and technology, um, sometimes that makes us more accessible, but then sometimes we forget we have to add that still personal element of being accessible. So that's, that's my first word, if you've got any questions on that or anything, or any thoughts. Go ahead, Alex. How much of that do you, th obviously we've all do it, had to adapt in that way. Do you feel like a lot of that is going to carry through um, as a positive after 
uh, things are back to the thing that we hate to say, the new normal? I think it's going to have to because I think it has become, you know, I mean, again, they say it takes 100 days to create a habit, but it's become part of, um, it, it should have been there all along but it's become enhanced. And so my fear for leaders is that if you, when you, as you start to pull back from that, can you find the balance of still creating that accessibility? Because I think it will be something that, you know, again, as right now, our market's really, really busy. So, um, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 it's not totally busy, but it seems really busy, right? That's where I'm trying to go with that. But I think that as the market again starts to shift, as things start to change, as it gets slower, as it gets different, if we are not as accessible or at least have the appearance of being accessible, I think it's going to be very, very noticed because we have shifted to this hyper area. And therefore, then that causes everybody to doubt okay, was your leadership style, was your availability just COVID related, or is that something that's a true part of you? That's such a good point. Yeah. I already, I'm already feeling that. Um, I, so I'm an agent advisor in my office, and this whole time I've been uh, holding people's hands through this process uh, and, and through everything, and now uh, I'm going a million miles a minute with my own business and uh, working really, really hard to continue to, to uh, foster the relationships and the connections that have strengthened during this time. And it's, it's difficult. Um, it, I haven't thought about it the way you've just said. Yeah, I think it, it is difficult because you can't keep up the same pace uh, and, and continue to continue to advance, but also the root of relationships, people relationships, sales relationships has always been in that connection piece. And so it's reminded us of what's been so powerful about it. So I'm trying to find ways, you know, as a broker, you know, um, as a leader in the association, how can you still have that connection, but then also still try to advance um, just your day-to-day sanity. <laughs> Well, it's finding that piece of leverage in there and bringing the groups to, to you know, like Alex, bringing your agents together, maybe to work together mm -hmm. versus doing the one-on-ones that you had the time to do and still focus on growing your business. Cause you have a family to take care of and to feed right. and being a leader is important to you. How do we do all those things? Finding so, a way to keep it efficient. Yeah. So yeah. Bobby, um, that was the perfect segue into my number two. <laughs> so my number two, <laughs> you were right there. You're right there with me. Um, my number two is mass collaboration. And that is, um, again, here we were in a spot where we did not, no one had the answers. No one still has the answers. We're not sure. And so what did we do? We absolutely leaned into our networks of people and our networks of our trusted resources and advisors and mass collaboration became this extended piece of, you know, I mean, I was, um, I was in more Facebook groups than I've ever been in. I was on more Zoom calls when I've ever been in. I'm trying to get everything I can from the National Association, from my local association, from the Kansas City Association. You know, being in the state of Missouri, we were trying to figure out what's everyone doing. And what was great is everyone then was accessible. So they made those resources available to everyone. And so we all got to lift each other up and move us so much faster because we enhanced mass collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, um, you know, millennials and in Generation YZ, they've, they've been on this train for a while now. 
you know, I read something several years ago that said a 16 year old consults 40 people before they make a purchase. You know, they're Snapchatting. What do you think? How does it look? Should I buy this shirt? You know, how does that go? So they're already used to consulting multiple people to get multiple feedback, but it wasn't inherent, I think, in our businesses. Um, because again, we're independent contractors, we may have participated in mass instructional events, but we weren't really trying to collaborate and share in the method that we have been in the past hundred days. And so with the power of that, then we've seen this, you know, huge spike in, again, Facebook groups, private networks, different ways, you know, Microsoft Teams, getting everybody on the same platform, sharing information on a daily basis. So again, when you look at leadership and how our businesses are gonna to have to move forward, I think that is a piece which is awesome, awesome, awesome to tap into. And I think those are gonna be the winners in the long term because they've realized now that I don't have to do this alone. I can get anything I want by consulting the group. And therefore, I'm more powerful because of it. The group is more powerful because of it. And now our community is more powerful because of it. So how do we make sure that leaders continue that again so that your members of an association or your office still feel part of it because now they have, they know that not only were you available, but they were available to contribute to the overall plan and path. When you, when you say in that towards the very end, it made me think of your Skittles experiment that you do, that the greater good is better than us as individuals. And as leaders, and even as realtors in our own community, just, you know, working with other, you know, we are independent contractors, and yet we have to find a place to come from a place of um, cooperation versus a place of competition. Because at the end of the day, we all still have to cooperate. We still have to work. That's why we have co-op in the MLS. Like, that's the whole point is um, cooperating together. And I think that mass collaboration helps lead everybody to that. Yeah, no, I think that's very well said, Bobby. And again, it's it's not it's not normal for us, but it became something that we all realized we could get over ourselves yeah. <laughs> and lean into the group and become better before. But that that Skittles, yeah, that was from the book called The Wisdom of Crowds, which which talks about um, state fairs and the fact that if you if you go to state fairs and it was, a, it was a, a story about guessing the weight of a pig and if it's also like price is right you know as people are calling out the prices the, they get closer and closer and closer because the group as long as everybody contributes in the group you start going towards the best an answer and with technology what's awesome is you can get there so fast because all of a sudden everyone's chiming in and, and reading those conclusions. And I think, again, that's part of the amazing power of an association, you know, and so in, in a brokerage and, you know, any type of group that you're a part of. And so how can we harness that to just keep us moving fast? And it, it provides us the trust and resources to do that. I love that. So my right. third, yeah, so number three, <laughs> number three is just going to be the pure creativity, you know, the creativity and the mind expansion that has come from it. And then I think um, the energy that that has created amongst everyone and just the, the feeling of positivity that you have gotten because you have figured out new things, you've learned new things, you've explored new things and you know I'm frequently trying to remind my agents who and I and I know we have this you know everybody's on kind of a scale of one to ten and one is I'm gosh I'm still scared I'm sure not what to do I'm feeling a little pushed I'm not quite sure where I am and ten is I'm you know full steam ahead you know ready to rock ready to you know jump into light speed to the next 
place. But with the creativity, you know, again, what is it that you've learned? What is your, you've done? There was, as far as I know, as far as our industry goes, there's not one new thing that was invented in the past 100 days for our industry. It was always there. You know, and, and so now we've just taken advantage of it. But not only have we taken advantage of things that were always there, we have now figured out different ways to do things that maybe were um, technology was there, but we are now using it differently that then even someone else had even thought of, which is so awesome. And I hope that, again, as leaders, as, uh, as agents, we can figure out a way to not lose that creativity because if anything, I think it gives us a renewed sense of purpose, um, a renewed sense of excitement for what we can do for our clients and really how we can service them to be the best we can be. And I think that's just super exciting. Like I'm so wanting to read the book, you know, a year from now that says, because there because there are new things that are being invented they just haven't hit us yet and what those are and how we then incorporate that i think in general looking back on this time a year or two years from now and and reading the data that's come from it um is, is just going to be really interesting um i'm i'm I, I i i don't know if i want to say that i'm excited about that uh, but it's going to be a really interesting uh, study on our business and on a lot of businesses and on society in general. Oh, Alex, no, you are you are so right. And of course, uh, <laughs> you know um, it's going to be you know what it what it's done to home ownership, what it's done to equity, you know what it's done to small businesses and and those components of it, what it's done just purely to our mindset and our mental state along the way. Um, I listened to a podcast over the weekend, which was recorded a month ago, and it talked about the extremes of being locked inside and what happens to the extremes of being locked inside and what might happen on the other side. And to hear that today on, on June 1st of knowing now the things that are happening in our, our country, it definitely um, is everything we're doing is impacting um, thoughts and feelings and emotions. Right. Well, so kind of in that same vein, we, you know, we've been in a strong uh, seller's market for a long time. Do you see there, uh, do you see there being a shift uh, in the near future as a result of everything that's going on? Is, is all of this going to change that um, based on what you're hearing? Yeah, so shift is the word I've been using. I love that you're saying that, Alex, absolutely. You know, whether or not somebody has, uh, if they've lost their job, there's probably gonna be a shift. You know, um, we've seen people who have gotten, you, you know, performed amazingly <laughs> through this crisis and, you know, they're going to have new opportunities and, and new through their jobs and with different positions and things. So we're going to see a shift. I mean, certainly we know the number one thing people are now thinking about is how they use their home and what, what they like in their home and what they do. I think I saw the number of um, home improvements just in, and it was it wasn't a recent number. It was just in the months of March and they knew April was going to be even better. It was like it increased 10% on people just doing home improvement projects. April numbers should be through the roof. And so of course that's going to cause people to shift in their homes and what they need and what they use. So with the, I mean, right now all across the country, we're experiencing low inventory levels. You know, my market is a quarter of what it usually is at this time in Columbia, Missouri. And I know Kansas city is verging about on the same, those are numbers I've never seen, you know, not in the, not in my span of, you know, 26 years, I've never seen that. And 
even one of my top agents, she said, in 35 years of business, I've never seen that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's where we are. But I, I would definitely think, um, as the year starts to come to an end, as more people are sorting through their finances, what this means for them, we will, we will see more people needing to move more home ownership options, which should lead us more towards a balance, more, more of a balanced market. But I don't know that we will be out of it being a seller's market for a long time since we came into this with an inventory shortage building obviously tightened up a little bit people pulled their houses off the market it's it's hard to envision that that will dramatically shift even in the next two years as inflation starts to change um, which i think the economists are predicting could be a year two three years down the road then definitely we probably move back to you know seeing different market changes since I've been in real estate, I don't think I've seen more than four months of inventory. And how long has that been? It's only been, it'll be six years yeah. uh, in, in a month. Wow. So I've never experienced uh, anything other than a, other than this seller's market. And I mean, I mean, we're less than, way less than four now. Um, but so to, for me to think about the fact that I don't even know what the other side of that six months looks like, uh, it's, I, I just have no idea. I think, and I think, again, that's such a statement to make, which is so real because, you know, any of the homeowners who bought their homes in, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, I mean, we know that homeowners are staying in their homes longer. Well, a lot of it's because they had such amazing favorable interest rates. And now with appreciation and affordability being a problem, they can't buy what they thought they could and the rates are still low. So if the rates start to tick up, it just keeps it probably more in the, in the driver's seat for the seller. Yeah. What's what, even my own, my, my stepmom is now licensed. She got licensed in the last couple of years as a realtor and they keep talking about selling their home. And I'm like, but what are you going to buy to replace it? You're basically just replace it with the same thing. And they're like, Oh, that's a good point. And I'm like, yeah, stay where you're at. Cause they're like a mile from me and they've got a pool and it's nice. So I, I need them to not move. I'll be selfish about it. It's fine. Um, uh, no, and I, I agree because we are in such a deep seller's market that even shifting a little bit, we're still in a seller's market. It's going to take a lot of time to get out of that. And then to see someone like Alex who's been in the market for six years and that's all you've ever known. It's, you know, it's kind of like, and, and Alex, you know, your wife, if you think back to this, but it's kind of like people talk about putting on the weight with the pregnancy and taking it off afterwards. Well, it took nine months to put it on. It doesn't just come off, you know, the next day. You have to work towards getting back to that, whatever that is. So a balanced market's going to take a, it's taken us a long time to get to this. It's gonna take a long time to shift back out. Elizabeth, what do you think has been the hardest challenge for realtors during this time? The average, not the one who's connected into the National Association and knows everything that's going on, but our average realtor, what's their biggest challenge during this? I think it's been uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I mean, 100% it's a mental game. It's uncertainty. I mean, those are the conversations that I'm having with my agents on a daily basis. It's, um, it's, do I need to take the, okay, one, I'm scared for my health. Well, that just affects everything we do. We're a business where we're used to being out and about. We need to show, we need to take listing presentations. We need to do open houses. Do I feel secure doing that? Do I feel safe during that? And then Maybe I do, but maybe my neighbor doesn't. Maybe my neighbor does, but I don't. Um, I think that's been really, really hard. And 
then once you're in that space, then how do you get the confidence to get yourself into a spot to where you can realize that you can do this? I think that as an industry, we have provided really, really great tools and resources to do this business. It's systematic. Um, I call, you know, one of the greatest things I think about the MLS is it's an orderly marketplace. We have an orderly process and system. Well, we've disrupted that. If you didn't have the, the your, a new cell phone, if you didn't have your, you know, I mean, just even with your computer, right? If you didn't have a computer that was upgraded, well, you couldn't do the fun Zoom backgrounds, you know, and that was frustrating for an agent. You know, I know we're laughing at it, but, mm-hmm. but, but it was also a self-recognition of I'm not current and now zoom's telling me that (laughs) you know and and I think that's what I felt from a lot of my agents was gosh I knew I should have upgraded the computer I knew I should have figured out you know okay what's the difference between sliding stills on a virtual tour and a dollhouse view you know I knew I should have been a little bit better in figuring out how to combine PDFs on my own with my software because now I don't have access to any printer anywhere. And it's just those little things that have kind of created some self doubt as far as, am I still relevant to do this industry? And gosh, if my client calls me, can I do this virtually? And um, uh, there's a lot of easy to get Bobby, you know, you ask for the average agent. There's a lot of agents who are like rocking it and saying absolutely yes, but I think the majority of people are kind of like the majority of society and maybe again know you're you were just a little bit behind and that's been an, that's been an ego hit, a financial hit, a mental hit. Um, but that's part of our job. We're working through it, and you know, no realtor left behind. <laughs> but the reality is, is that. Um, you know, some people have made, I have, I have three agents who have decided to retire, fortunately, because they can, but have just said, you know, I, I've just really realized through this process, I, I, it's time to, you know, it's, I, I and I'm fortunate I can retire, but I'm, I'm just, I hadn't kept up the way I thought I had. Wow. I think that's going to be the reality is I think that it's, a lot of people, it's not a lot of people, but there's going to be a fair majority that's like, it's time. You know, I, I've been hanging on, you know, we, we always talk about, um, my mom always had a sign that hung in her office. It was old realtors never retire. They just become listless. And I think we're going to see some realtors that decide maybe I'm not just going to become listless. It's time to move on and let the new, um, the new crew, it's, it's their place. It's their time. And it's I'm, no need for me to keep hanging on anymore. And I think, I think our, that what we need to do as, uh, again, for, for you all as, as leaders of your realtor community, as brokers of the realtor community, we need to encourage those people and make sure that they know that it's, um, that that's okay, that it's, um, it's, it's part of the progression as long as they're comfortable. If they're not, I mean, the other, the other thing I've seen is I've seen some people just, I mean, jump into gear like I never thought they would. And they've been amazing. They have figured it out, you know, and it's like, I'm going to do this. I mean, we know, uh, my, I mean, my dad and we all have a mutual friend, um, Sharon Keating. She's actually chair of the Real Estate Commission. Sharon has been trying to figure this out, you know, and like, hey, man, I'm going to do this. And yeah, I'm going live on Facebook. And she had a history of being a, 
a journalist and loved being on camera. And now all of a sudden she's like loving her life sitting on camera and doing Facebook live. So it's, it's not an age thing. You know, it's a, it's a growth issue. Do you want to continue to grow? Do you want to continue to learn? But we did kind of jump from zero to light speed and overnight. And so, you know, there's a little adjustment that goes along with that. You're so right though. There are so many people that took to that in a in a way that I never would have expected them to the same people that complain every time you know their CRM changes just a little bit all of a sudden became you know they weren't happy with change but they uh, embraced it in, in a way that I never thought that they would do it quite this quickly it's 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 been really amazing and I think that they've learned a lot about themselves through that process I think you're right, Alex. And I, I also think, again, as realtors, we're natural communicators. The good ones are. The good ones are, um, you know, the, as I say, the best realtors can have conversations with anyone, can be on that sales pitch, can talk about anything. And so in a video world, which is much more talking than writing and emailing and doing all of those things, we've got a lot of members who are doing some really cool things and thriving. And one of the things I love seeing, and this goes back to your third point, the creativity, the energy, is people thinking outside of the box to create community within their own sphere of people. Um, and occasionally, you know, I think of Lee Brown and her My Kitchen, My Rules that she's doing right now. And she's engaging not just, you know, the realtor community. She just did an event for uh, KCRER for our major investors last week. She's also do, creating community within Charlotte with everybody. And I just, I love seeing the different ways that people are creating new community, but not necessarily having to be real estate related. And yet it still kind of is in a way. It's really. Yeah. So every day I end my session with my, I'm going live every day with my agents. You know, they're like, you can stop now. And I'm like, no, I love it. This is okay. You know, and it's like just a little quick bite or a tip of something. And we're focusing on four things. Um, and, and I'm calling it the core. It's like, you've got to get back to your core. And so the C is community. And it's what is your community? Who is your community? Are you talking to them? Are you sharing with them? You know, have you identified them? You know, I mean, the first step is just really making sure you're identifying them. The O in the core is outreach. And that is, are you reaching out to them? Are you talking to them? The R stands for real estate because again, I think everybody needs real estate information. And with the stock market fluctuating and having so many changes, they're equating that to those things that are happening in real estate. And it's just not the case. I mean, with the low inventory, prices are going up. We're not seeing drastic. I mean, I don't know if anybody's seen massive price cuts unless there's other issues with a home. And so we've got to keep sharing that real estate information because their interest rates are good and they're getting so much bad information on all sorts of things. We got to be the ones to share the real estate. And then my E, my E is my energy, <laughs> you know, keep up your energy, share that energy, share, share that with the community. And I, I mean, I think again, you gotta, you gotta find a place, zero in on it and then really, you know, go after it. Like you said, Bobby with, with, but you got to start with your community. Well, Elizabeth, I, we, we asked you for 20 to 30 minutes of your time. We have taken every bit of that and then some, but there's one question that I always like to ask our guest at the very end. And that is, what did I not ask you today or Alex not ask you today that we should have asked you? What have we not talked about? What were you hoping we wouldn't ask about? <laughs> That's a spin. What, what did you not ask me? Um, you know what? I think um, the one thing that I think is important to address is part of our community has really been our, our Missouri 
community, you know, and I know you're broadcasting to Missouri and Kansas, so I'm gonna include the Kansas realtors as well in that, you know, in our Midwest group. And I think it's, again, it's given me that whole new appreciation and sometimes it's fun, you know, I mean, I spent four years traveling on the National Association, fun, learning all about the things that are happening nationally, learning all about what's going on nationally, but the reality is, is that, um, and all of that is important, but when things like this crisis happen and things, when you realize, like, who can you get your best resources from? Who is your community? Who do you lean into? It's really our Midwest, our Missouri, our Mid-Missouri, Kansas, you know, this this community that has been the most helpful and grateful. And, um, you know, even just in with my brokerage and leaning into, you know, the mar people in the Kansas City Marketplace, Kansas and Missouri has been great. But also you guys as an association have just really provided amazing leadership to all of the associations and in a time when we have all needed it. So thank you all for doing that. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for your time today. Alex, I'll let you wrap it up. But I've just I'm just so grateful that you made time for us today. It's Thanks for asking. Um, you, I've told you this many times, um, and it always comes straight from my heart. You are truly an inspiration to so many of us, and I don't even know that we'll ever know all the lives that you've changed, um, but you are amazing, and I, I said it before you came on here, but I'm sitting here today because of you, so thank you for that. No, thank you guys for all you do, and thank you for being part of my community. <laughs> well, thank all you right. so much, and, and hopefully uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'd love to have you back on at some point. Anytime, as always. Um, so my last uh, my last sign off is always my three H's. So hopefully, be happy, um, be healthy, and most of all, uh, there's never a more critical time that we need to make sure we're being helpful to everyone. I love that. All right. Thank Until you. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.